Oh my gosh, Seth, we are testing a brand new video and audio recording system and everything. And I really started thinking back to our last eight episodes and I thought we've had some pretty, pretty intense topics. I mean, we've had some deaths, we've had sexual harassment, we've had um, people losing their life fortune and so forth. So I tried to pick a case this week that is true. All my, all the cases we're going to put in here is true, but that's more lighthearted and fun. And you don't have to know anything about computers to understand this. So hopefully if you don't like computers or understand computers and you want a good first episode, you've landed on the right one. Well, and relatable, right? We hope that, you know, one thing we can get all of our audience members uh, is, you know, relatable to what's actually happening. Is this, you know, something that could potentially, you know, impact you or happen to you. And I think that's important. So I'm hoping this one uh, also follows that, uh, that path. Yep. And uh, happy birthday, by the way, Seth, I see your balloons behind you. Thank you. Yes. My wife uh, <laughs> decorated my office. And I'm yeah. If you're watching on, day. if you're watching the video version, you'll, you'll be able to see it. So, all right. What is our case about? This one, and I put exclusive all over this because I can guarantee you nobody else has ever, ever podcasted about this story. So this is the very first time you should be hearing about this story. And it's, I'm calling it the rebate kingpin of rural Michigan. And you're going to understand why here in, in a second. And rebates was just half of this kingpin story. We've got a lot of other schemes that we're going to talk about. You know how Seth and I, when we talk about the computer scheme, sometimes there's, you know, um, other physical type of law breaking that goes on. We're going to talk about all those type of things in this type in this case too. All right. So Seth, let me tell you about this story. I want to tell the audience. Seth has doesn't know much if anything about this story. And I told him, I'm going to tell you a story this week while we test our system. You can just sit back and enjoy. It's been your birthday. This is my birthday present to you. Seth is not having to do any work. So let me tell you a little bit about our case. First of all, you got to bend your mind back. We're going back to the eighties and the nineties, Seth. So not people, not a lot of people know, but there was some electronic crime back in the eighties. It wasn't as sophisticated as all the stuff we talked about now. And, um, we're going to explore some of these things. So the technology, or oh, I should say Seth too, that, uh, this is one of the most requested stor stories that I get. I've actually tested this story on, you know, this, this, I say story, but it's true story on my uh, wife's family. And they thought it was so interesting that I should make it into a podcast. So that's, that's part of the reason why we're here. So the uh, technology, technology in this case is really, really simple, Seth. It's a printing calculator. Sounds really dumb now, but in the mid 1980s, this was high tech. Okay. So I'm assuming we're talking about some heavy duty Texas instrument type stuff. Can you give us maybe a minute on um, what a printing calculator was or is and why it was pretty badass in 1988? Sure. This particular printing calculator, this tool that this Kingpin used was not only could you print digits like a normal calculator, you might like a, you know, a standard accountant calculator also printed letters. So you can see where this is going. You're kind of able to fake some documents here. So we're so going to talk about like a, a compact. This is me questioning it. So it wasn't a typewriter. Yeah. And obviously nope. it's before a smartphone. So it was a calculator 
basically that also acted as a mini word processor. Yes, to some extent. And and the printing on it, I, I if you're watching the video, I don't know how helpful this is going to be. I'm kind of showing you. Like the ribbon on it is probably, I'd say, two, two and a half inches maybe, I'm guessing. Would it be fair to say so this is it, like the bastard child of a scientific calculator and a label maker? Yes. It's the very early stages of that. Yep. All right. I'm in. I'm in. All right. So what we have. So tell me about the technology. Let's go through our process. <laughs> process, Keith. Process. All right, so first talk about the technology. We, did. we, we went through well, the calculator we only did one. first. We have printing calculator. What else have we got? Now we have child labor. Lots and lots of free child labor. And you're probably going, what? You'll see. Hold on. And later on in later years, so this this crime spree, it goes on for a while. I say like the 80s and the 90s. So probably the early 90s, mid-90s, we're talking a dot matrix printer. So if you've never seen one of these, it's basically paper that's hooked to each other. And you have to, it's got like tread on the sides and you have to rip those off. And basically it kind of oh, prints out it. one long giant sheet. I remember it had a very specific sound it made when it you know it printed it was it was very 1980s sound effect e if that makes sense i remember the dot matrix printers very well yeah all right that's the technology here so where was this technology what type of crime first crime rebate fraud you're probably saying what is a rebate don't worry i got a slide on this and i got a whole topic coming up so hold on a second second Child labor law violations. Tons and tons of child labor law violations here, Seth. All right. And then the third, hot the issue, third the <laughs> it is. And the third is just being a general douche in general to get free plane tickets and other schemes that we're going to talk about at the end of this. So the criminal All here right. is. Who's the kingpin? A is a quote unquote simple housewife. And I, I say that because I think that's how she would describe herself too. From mid Michigan, which if you're familiar with the state, it's pretty rural there unless you're in the Lansing area. So the criminal seems like quote unquote simple housewife from Michigan, but is actually a rebate fraud kingpin. The victims in this case, Seth, her two children, her poor, poor children, her husband, Recipients of the rebates, so this is like friends and family, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a second. Corporations and grocery stores, okay? Why this case, Seth? Well, one was sometimes the criminals get away with it like in this case. So there's a little, there's a little lead in for you right. why I picked this case. And the second is no computer knowledge is necessary because we're only talking about a printing calculator, right, in the 80s and the 90s. Again, this is for fun, just so just sit back and enjoy. Again, it is a true story, but it is for fun. Um, I got to tell you, Seth, that I grew up in Michigan, and this is from Michigan. I, I got to tell you, personally, I know this personally. This case is a local fucking legend in Michigan. So sit back and enjoy this. All right. Very, very eager to hear this.
Uh, real quick, uh, general updates on the podcast. Like I said, we're re- we're trying a new recording system. We hope it improves our end product overall um, and looks a little less zoomy. And um, Seth, I got a surprise for you. Check Ooh. this out. You ready? Is it a birthday present? Hold on. It's pretty close. I've got something. Oh, here it is. Sorry, I'm upside down. That's some domestic bullshit right there. Did you hear that? Oh, oh I heard it. <laughs> Somebody heard gave it. me a soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> so now we have sound effects, and that's going to be a lot of fun for this episode. And I spent a lot of time this week, Seth, figuring out what sound effects I was going to use. Uh, the other general update to this podcast is please don't forget to sign up for our newsletter if you'd like to get emails about, uh, you know, the updates about our episodes. Also, don't forget to go to our website, eCrime Bites, Bites spelled with a Y is in yellow, and check out all our new social media links too. All right, Seth, let's get on to our case now. So you probably wonder why I said Kingpin, and then you're like, oh, he's talking about a female. Shouldn't it be Queenpin? So as a researcher, I said, I'm going to go look this up. And I looked up the kingpin definition, and it's actually a bolt in a central position that's sort of like a pivot. And the definition is, quote-unquote, a person or thing that is essential to the success of an organization or operation. And I thought about this person, and I thought, oh, my God, that describes her perfectly. So that's why I use kingpin. But I did, did look at queenpin just to be, you know, just to cover all my bases. And queenpin is actually on the wiktionary, not the dictionary, but it's basically saying, you know, it's a female boss in a way. We're using the term kingpin in a gender neutral function. That's fine. Yep. All right. So let me give you some episode caveats here, Seth. First of all, there's no court documents on this because I told you this person is still at large. So I can't pull court documents and show you the clips like we've done in prior episodes, but I have done extensive interviews on lots and lots of firsthand witnesses, okay? Decades and decades of research. Some would say I have spent my whole life preparing for this episode, Seth. Okay? That must be that local Michigan uh, legendary shit. All right, moving on. <laughs> All right, and my brother Chris, spelled with a K, and I swear to God my bro- my mother must have done this just to make it difficult for him the rest of his life. I have to thank him for helping me put some of this stuff together. He's in Michigan, and, you know, he's married to Tal Flamingo, my sister-in-law. And, um, hell, I might as well thank my wife, Andrea, too, because I'm just going to say, Seth, I'm not going to go down for this episode when the Kingpin eventually either hears or watches this episode because they're still at large. <laughs> if they do, I might have to go into witness protect- protection program, Seth. <laughs> All right, but in this case, I cannot tell you who the criminal is, Seth, but I can say I know them very, very well. I know all the witnesses very well, and this is 100% true. All the statute of limitations have run out based upon what I searched, uh, but we're still going to protect, protect their identity and the, protect the identity of the witnesses. And okay. one last note, one last note. I want to let you know that a dollar in 1985, which is about the time this starts happening, is worth about 280 today in 2023. So let's just say it's like three bucks, right? So it's about okay. it's about three dollars 
If it was a dollar in 1985, it's $3 now. Okay, we'll go with that assumption. I'm with you. All right, so with that. So what's a rebate, a little more Tell me what a rebate is. A little more background. You said, what's a rebate, King? And a rebate is, um, it's not like a coupon. If, you, if you've ever used a coupon, like at a grocery store, you basically, you give it at the time you purchase something and what you buy is less. But a rebate, on the other hand, you buy something and then you prove it to the corporation that you bought it and they give you either something free or part of your money back or you get something in return for it. Usually the key here is you have to prove it. So it means like you have a receipt or you cut a piece of the package or later on you're going to hear me talk about um, pudding pops. Pudding pops had popsicle sticks. Those were, that was a proof of purchase, pudding pop. Okay. So a rebate would only usually be a few cents at a time. Usually like in 1980 terms, like 25 cents to like maybe average about a dollar, maybe $2. If it's a really big product, it might be 10 bucks, but that was like super, super rare. So again, remember, $1.1980 is about $3 now. So when we're talking about these numbers, just multiply by three and that's what you'd be expecting. So you're expecting like what? Like a buck to, what I say, up to 10 bucks. So like a buck up to about 30 bucks. Okay. Now, what companies would usually do is they would limit one per household. Okay. So they wouldn't let, you know, Jane, file a rebate, get two bucks from it, file a rebate again, get two bucks from it, file a rebate again, get two bucks for it. In general, it was um, kind of like a one address shot deal. So that was kind of the protections that were around these uh, rebates for sure. corporations. So what do you do if you want to make money, but... You only can get one rebate at a time at your address. You find some family and friends and you say, Hey, what if I send you some money? You want to make some money? What if I send you some money and we split it, right? It gets around that whole one per household limitation that they had going on there. Right, Seth? So that's fine for basically spreading out spreading out how you can use that rebate more than once. So most of these people, point, they, I have to, I have to ask, where's the crime? That sounds like if the rules are, you get a rebate one per household and you solicit your friends. I'm not sure how that's illegal. Well, uh, well, well just hold with me here. We'll see. All right. I'm not the lawyer. I'm sticking Seth, with you. I'm just saying, as I'm a lawyer, not the lawyer, Seth, that but doesn't I, sound illegal I know yet. this, I know a lot of stuff goes through the mail back in the eighties that did, doesn't go through the mail. Now that would be one, one thing right there, but let's, let's hold off and uh, talk a little more about this. So, okay. We're talking about a whole criminal conspiracy at this point. We're not talking about just the kingpin making her $2 on that rebate anymore. We're now talking about a whole conspiracy. So we're talking maybe like 10 people make 20 bucks. Okay. How does one get that many proofs of purchases or receipts? Receipt being another form of proof of purchase when you need, say, 10 of them. Well, if it's a receipt, you print them on that calculator that we talked about. Seth. All right, so that's fraud. The one that I got you. All right. <laughs> so, so, 
<laughs> so all right I'm now you, you have the the thing that looks like the receipt right and then you have the person that's willing to receive your your rebate right so you have the whole conspiracy you have 10 people or so and i'm just making the number 10 up out there it was definitely more than five less than 20 um all right so another thing i want to say is that's the receipt side so boom, mind blown, right? People are printing, re like faking receipts to make rebates. What about when you have to have a pudding pop popsicle stick or you have to have a, um, a chunk of a Tide package or something like that? There were whole conventions, Seth, where people would go to trade proof of, proof of purchases. So maybe you have a couple tied things and you can't really, use, you don't have enough people to use them on. Well, that's cool. Trade it with Sally. She might have 45 pudding pop popsicle sticks for you. And then you can finish your rebate over here with the proof of purchases that you don't have. Let me ask you this. This sounds like it lends itself to a lot of literal dumpster diving where people would try to collect things that they knew would have a high, you know, I guess, um, value in terms of that receipt of, you know, proof receipt, proof of purchase. So like if you knew a Tide can gave you eight bucks back, you know, I could totally see people dumpster diving, finding as many of those cans as possible. Is that what we're talking about? I could see that, you know, I'd have to ask my sources. I don't know. I don't know that for sure, but I could okay. see I'm that. I'm just wondering, because I'm also happen. thinking this is before the age <laughs> of the internet, right? So it wasn't like you can just go online to a chat and say, hey, I need Tide cans. Everyone bring them in. This is all going to be done old school, like with phone. Phone calls that. Yeah. I, I mean, I had a modem in the late 80s, early 90s, and that was like way ahead of time back then. So yeah, but you were a super before. dork. That's not normal. <laughs> totally. But this is before that even. So, I mean, this is like way before internet. All right, so let's talk a little bit. Here's another legal, totally illegal aspect, Seth, is the legal, unlawful child labor that this lady was part of. So your rebate scheme only works if it scales, Seth, and we're talking right. about pre-internet times. We're talking about pre-printer times. So how do you think addresses got on these forms that you had to fill out for these rebates? There were Two poor little fucking kids, Seth, that she made fill out all these little forms, the the um uh the addresses to send it over and the labels to to the basically the return address to come back, Seth. And this is where the unlawful child labor comes in. And there's a little more unlawful child labor later on where she makes them eat a lot of product in order to get those <laughs> proof of purchases, but we'll we'll talk about that more at the end. Okay, so at this point, she has this child labor. I'm going to, uh, from now on, I'm just going to call him the child labor force because this is who does all the legwork for the kingpin. The kingpin sends her children to uh, write out all these envelopes and do all the work for her. And basically, she gets to collect a loot from her and all, all her um, uh, friends and family that she sends it to. All right. So, what does the kingpin make? And if I, I'm just kind of fictitiously making these numbers up based upon information from the era, but let's just say $2 rebate. Okay. Let's say okay. she gets to file that one on her own, Seth. She, so she just makes $2 right there. And imagine how long it would take to write your address twice 
on envelopes and rebate forms and okay so right there <laughs> that's what she has the kids do and then she goes to her friends and family and splits half with them so let's say she has 10 friends and family which i've heard for this kingpin she's hard to get along with so for 10's probably probably pretty high but let's just say it's 10 and let's say she makes 20 bucks out of that 10 and you got to pay off your street level people seth so she gives $10 to her street level people, which is her friends and family. So she makes $10, right? So now out of the whole scheme, she's made $12. How much did she pay? Probably almost nothing for envelopes. Maybe a stamp back then was uh, like 20-ish cents. She used to tell her child labor force she would pay them 25 cents a label that they made. But being the true kingpin that she was, she never paid them, Seth. She garnished their wages before the payment was made. Again, unlawful child labor acts here. Let me tell you about the pool table full of refunds, all right? So you imagine you've got not just a refund for one person, which would just fit in your what? Like on your, your little desk where you might address things like a normal person? No. You've got 10 people per coupon, and you've got hundreds if not thousands of coupons spread out. See, we had a, I mean, the criminal enterprise had this pool table that was really sweet, Seth. And it was just full and full of refunds, just organized about, you know, which ones had to go out, you know, first to make the, so, the deadline for the refund comes back. Who's the family and friends it's going to. Can I interrupt? Go ahead, ask can I question? interrupt? I have a yeah, question. Yeah. So what you're saying is the Kingpin, you mentioned she was generally not well liked. So you said 10 friends might not have even been high. So in order to really make any real money on this, it had to be not that she could massively spread out how many people were involved in the scheme. She had to have a wide variety of product, right? So even though it was only, let's say, 10 people who were her street level, each person might have had dozens and dozens and dozens of products they were responsible for. Is that accurate? Oh, absolutely. And I'm I'm pretty sure. Because you're saying there are thousands of rebates of uh of, of uh, receipts rather. So I'm just thinking to myself, well then, and given that it was generally, you know, one per household, there had to be a shitload of different types of product. Okay. Yes. Because otherwise, like, that... what's the point of making 30 bucks? <laughs> you know what I mean, even in the 80s, 90s, for a lot of effort. Okay, yes. I'm with you. So lots and lots I'll, and I'll lots like... of product. So we're talking lots of product, right? Seth, I only have one thought here. Those poor goddamn children that had to address yeah, sure. all of the-, <laughs> the kids seriously were all right so i'm assuming this was like a constant thing after school you got to do the receipts before you go to bed you got to fuck with the receipts and i'm assuming that oh, yeah. the kingpin here wasn't particularly tech savvy so her her more tech savvy kids had to do the actual finagling with the the printing calculator and the dot matrix printer and shit like that is that accurate yeah, what's worse is this pool table was not, it was within range of a sliding glass door. So if some asshole left it open and went out, guess who was reorganizing that whole mess again? All because the wind of the wind would, that yeah, went yeah. flying through there. <laughs> All right. And really, so scheme one, this, the kingpin still roams free as of today. So this is why I cannot tell you who she is. Or who are who the informants are? But Seth, if your mind's not blown yet, let's talk about 
all the other schemes that this same person, the same, same kingpin has done. All right. The first one I want to tell you, Seth, is called the VCR copying scheme. So I got to sit back and tell you a few of these. The 80s were wild, Seth. The 80s were really wild. So back in the 80s, we had VCRs. And, and I'm saying this for our younger audience, hopefully, that's listening here. If you're like, what the hell, a VCR? And it was a giant cassette. And when you wanted to run it, you had to go somewhere and give people money, take it home, watch it, and take it back. That's how normal people did it. How did the Kingpin do it? Well, their local establishment would rent the movie to you pretty cheaply in the 80s and the 90s. They would take it home. I remember they, it being they about two a lot bucks of movies, a movie when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, if that. Two bucks was like the most, like, uh, that was a new release. Usually, like, they were like 25 cents to 50 cents at your local library even. But, you know, the Kingpin's family, they'd rent a lot of movies. And actually, the Kingpin's children, one of the Kingpin's children worked at a library in later years. So they rented a lot of movies, Seth. And this guy, he sounded like a great guy, this guy that worked at the library. Everything that I've heard about him, he sounds really great, Seth. Anyways, imagine these movies coming home and every one of them was copied using a camcorder and VCR setup. So there's a family library of movies. So wait, somebody would rent the movie, movies play the take. movie on the VCR. Hold on, I want to understand. They'd play the movie on the VCR, then take a handheld to then record the TV playing? Dude, that's some ghetto not, shit well, right there. No, 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 not, the, not quite that. It wouldn't record the TV. There was an actual audio video cable, so actually, it, like went okay, so it was still a copy the the of TV. the context of the te- of yes. the content from yes. VCR, <laughs> B, sorry, from cassette A to cassette B, with I'm sure a re- a, a loss of fidelity and quality. <laughs> oh, absolutely. In later years, what I, I I mean I heard is that they they put this weird copy protection thing in there where like it flickers and stuff, and it gets um. It gets so I think we should pause there because then the watch. younger generation has no appreciation for that, right? Like if you copy a file, like a word file from place A to place B, it's the exact same content. If you copy a music file, it's the exact same thing. That was not the case in dealing with VCR, you know, players and, and content. The more copies you made, the shittier it got to the point where it was almost unwatchable. Yeah, you want to be the person okay. that got the first copy, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. So that was scheme one. And you're like, man, this Kingpin sounds crazy. She did the rebate and then she did that. Well, let me tell you about the family discount scheme on a van, Seth. Oh, this one was kind of crazy. So imagine the Kingpin's husband worked in an automaker shop. It's Michigan, so it's automaker. You know, there's like three of them there in the 80s. And so the husband could buy cars at a discount. You know, X amount percent off. It's usually pretty decent. I think it was like 10, 20% or more off. It was a pretty substantial amount off a car. The catch is the husband could not sell the car for six months before selling it. Okay. Basically you have to hang on to it for six months before selling it. So of course, what do you think happens? Kingpin gets involved, schemed a discount on her, on a van for her father. So it's his father-in-law. Through her husband's work discount. And you're like, well, okay, maybe it's family. It's not that big of a deal. But I have to tell you, the Kingpin's husband had owned this van for six months. And the father-in-law 
was so goddamn accident prone, Seth, that he, there was not a mailbox in Detroit that this man had not painted on the side of a vehicle he owned at one point or another. And so it was an extremely, extremely tense six months around the Kingpin's house, house I heard. All right. So the general coupon shadiness. Now, we talked about rebates, and I skipped over coupons on purpose because this is kind of its whole second scheme. Rebates were one scheme, but getting money off when you buy something at the grocery store was, I mean, this is like above and beyond. So coupons, again, like I said at the beginning of the show, if, if you jumped in the middle, basically you're basically getting the discount at purchase time instead of getting it back through the mail like the rebate. Coupons are typically limited to one per person as well. So what do you think the kingpin did, Seth? Do you think she just stuck with one and was happy with that? Oh, no. She reused no. that shit. Not at all. She sent her child labor force through the grocery lines with coupons because, you know, that's the, perp that's the benefit of having a bunch of children, right? I mean, if you have three kids, you gave them all. That's three coupons you can send through the line plus yourself. That's four. But she would just stand not far away and watch her child labor force go through the line and use the coupons. Kind of like I imagine Kim Jong-un would look at, look upon his prisoners and you. So let me just understand. <laughs> let me just understand this. So, Hold on, Seth. so this and, and these kids, well, I was going to tell you, these kids, they don't want to fuck up, right? Because if, if they fuck up, the kingpin is right there, right there. It's like she will just come over and. <laughs> and this is why you do not let me have a soundboard, Seth. Continue. Yeah, I'm taking those away from you. So I want to understand this. So you're saying if the kingpin wanted two boxes of maxi pads, and most of these coupons allow only one per purchase, right? She would make two separate purchases to save the 18 cents or whatever it was. So she'd send different kids down the aisle with the same coupon so she could save a total of like 36 cents rather than just 18 cents. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, and the best part is I wonder how many cashiers actually believed that a 10-year-old boy wanted to use that coupon on that box of maxi pads. Indeed. I'm sure that there was a lot of side-eye or... But then again, some of these kids, who gives a shit? They're just doing their job and ringing up the next. They might not even recognize. I know I wouldn't. Okay. Very, very shady. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by the kingpin. Oh, it gets worse, Seth. So that's just normal coupons. So there's these things called double and triple coupons where basically you get double and triple whatever the face value is. And... It really worked out well when she would pick specific days of when her friend would be working at as a cashier. Why? Because then she would take in a literal fucking book of coupons, Seth, a book, and get them, you know, double and triple coupons. So if you're looking at the timeline of what a child would have to go through back in the 80s grocery shopping, they probably spent 60 to 90 minutes with this kingpin, just grocery shopping, picking out products, right? And I, I heard it was every Wednesday. Then 30 minutes was spent checking out because all those products is, you know, beep, beep, takes a long, long time. They got to bag them up and all that kind of stuff. Another freaking 30 minutes was spent ringing through the coupons kind of the same way. Beep, beep, 
And then lastly, another 30 minutes was usually spent in a return line, returning something from the week before. And you're like, returning? Well, <laughs> hold on a second, Seth. I've got other schemes for you on the returning process here. Let's talk about a company called Mervins. And if you haven't heard of them, that's probably I've because they went them. out of business in 2009. And they started in uh, 1949, and they went out of business in 2009. So they're about 60 years old. And in the 80s and the 90s, there was this deal at Mervins where if you bought $600, now pause, $600 in, 80, in the 80s would be $1,800 now if you multiply it by three. So if you buy $600 in 80s money of product on their credit card, you would get two free round-trip tickets to Hawaii. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah. Kingpin went in, spent $1,800 in 80s money, got six tickets. You think, you think it ended there, Seth? No. Uh, Kingpin, she went back, returned all the, the clothes after receiving the tickets. <laughs> She found the loophole. She finds a loophole in all these schemes, Seth. She found the loophole. And to this day, to this, so this was probably late 80s, early 90s. To this day, it blows my mind that this scheme was ever allowed. It was ever allowed. <laughs> yeah. There was the phone book scheme, Seth, where she found out that you could make a quarter, which, you know, that's about almost a buck, I guess, now in 2023 terms. For each phone book that you deliver, if you work in a city or you live in a city, that probably is a good deal because you could just drop off a stack at people's, you know, apartment house, yeah, sure. apartment doors and take get whole dollar, you know, take care of tens of dollars right there. But this is rural Michigan we're talking about, Seth. So she drove her child labor force around the communities in a truck, and they, the child labor force, had to run them up to every doorstep, Seth. And it was hot and humid July, Michigan. It was not, not nice, you know, spring Michigan or fall Michigan. It was incredibly, incredibly hot Michigan. But you should be very happy to know that the Kingpin was actually happily just sitting inside the truck in air conditioning while, you know, her child labor force was running around. So you're saying that the Kingpin would like stockpile hundreds or even thousands of phone books and then go have to fucking deliver them with her kids? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Kingpin had schemes for everything, Seth. I'm only giving you, like, the top ten here. <laughs> okay. Phone book. There's the free car scheme, Seth. The free car scheme. So the Kingpin found a raffle where there was a loophole of you could put as many entries in as you want. What do you think she did? Child labor stuff force time. Right. Fill stuff up the hundreds right. of these things. Stuff it in there. And then guess what? You know, these kids, they walked away with bloody stumps as fingers. Back in the 80s and 90s, poor kids probably can never, ever work again. What do you think happened at the end of this, Seth? Would... <laughs> I'm taking that away from you. Another sound. No, they did not win the car. Oh, okay. All right. What's the next scheme? There's the movie theater scheme. And I had to bring this one to you because this actually plays on one of our prior episodes. And I'm forgetting which episode it was. But it was the episode when we talked about hiding USB sticks. See, 
when the Kingpin went to movie theaters, do you think she wanted to go in and pay, you know, 10 times the price for candy? Heck no. She had a child labor force. She would just have her child labor force smuggle all that candy in for her and her kids. And I tell you what, from what I've heard when I've interviewed these kids, Seth, and what I've heard is you prayed you were not given the larger snacks to smuggle. Now you know why, I, <clears throat> I mean, you probably know why, or these kids probably know why to hide a USB stick pretty well, Seth, right? Like our, yeah. our previous episode. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And some other ones that I heard about was um, various ice cream rebates and other free shit. And I just mean this in the like product sense. There was once a deal where if you bought a ton of pudding pops, and it's usually an exorbitant amount that one family would never, ever consume. If you bought a bunch of them and proved it with the leftover popsicle sticks, you get something for your troubles. I can't remember what it was. It was money or something. But I got to say, do you know how many pudding pops, how many pounds of pudding pops she forced her child labor force to eat, Seth? Hundreds. Literally hundreds. And the same thing then happened with astronaut ice cream, where you had to buy a bunch of astronaut ice cream, prove they ate it, and send the re send but astronaut the, ice cream the, goes uh, down so easy. Off it. Astronaut ice cream goes down, you know, like a like a chip. It's been a while since I've had uh, astronaut ice cream, but it's it's crunchy, yeah. I it mean it's crunchy, crunchy, but it, it like sucks all the water out of your mouth from yes, what I can does. remember. <laughs> but what's 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 deadly where the crime comes into this, Seth, is this is especially especially harsh punishment to two kids that were that found out later that they were apparently lactose intolerant, being forced to eat pudding pops and like and uh, uh, astronaut ice cream. That's rough. <laughs> I got one of those too, Seth. <laughs> we're gonna get that you one. Will get there some were times. Okay there were times this week. That'll get some mileage. <laughs> There were times this, oh, oh, let's pause for a second, Seth. I've got a couple more you might like, too. Hold on. You can light it, bro. Light it, light it. You can light it, light it. Fucking light it. pick it up. That is my oh. favorite. Justin Acton was here, puss. <laughs> I got that one, too, Seth. And you're probably like, you know, you know. Oh, here, I got to find the button. Of course, I can't find it on the fly. Oh, all right. And then you're probably like, hey, Tall Flamingo, she's not in there. No, no, she's in there, too. Tall Flamingo? Yep. <laughs> you're so easily amused. I love All it. right. Sorry about that. That's okay. So, Seth, we talked about the lactose intolerant, poor lactose intolerant child labor force. <laughs> There's milk involved, too. And this scheme, this scheme takes the cake. This is the one that the kids could not stop talking about. I call it the frozen milk scheme. So you can imagine the kingpin, all these crazy schemes. Well, when milk was on sale back in the 80s and 90s, she would buy a shit ton of it. And they come in gallons. What are you going to do with gallons and gallons of milk, Seth? Well, she figured out you're going to freeze them. Does that sound gross, Seth? I don't know you could freeze it milk. It is as gross as it sounds. Can you freeze milk? <laughs> well, you can't. No, you can't. That's the problem. So 
and not, unable to drink it before it goes bad, she she freezes it, and then as they need it, she unfreezes it and feeds it to her child labor force daily. This is the same child labor force that's lactose intolerant, by the way. Large-ass glasses of milk at dinner every single day. Could not leave the dinner table until it was finished. And I tell you, from what, what they described, these children described to me, Seth, this milk had a yellowy tinge to it with clumps in it. And sometimes, sometimes when the family was in a rush, they would not unthought all the way. And there'd be this goddamn iceberg in the middle that would, so it wouldn't, all the particles wouldn't unthaw evenly and you had to drink it. It was the most terrible concoction I could imagine, or at least that somebody it's, told, it's, told me about. It sounds like great prep for a colonoscopy. <laughs> It is. And I immediately when I'm hearing this story from these poor children, I thought, you know, the kids in Temple of Doom had had a better upbringing than these children because, you know, eventually they got away. They got away. Eventually they got away. Right, right, right. Sure. That's it. That's all the schemes. I hope you enjoyed a lighthearted episode. You know, some jokes were some jokes worked. Some jokes didn't. That's fine. I figured that was going to happen. The um, conclusion here. So let's roll through the conclusion. Never underestimate anybody by their appearance. You know, she wanted to say I'm a simple housewife, but she was ahead of a whole large Rico conspiracy, Seth. And don't underestimate the size of the tool. Pause. Here, (laughs) a calculator was the tool of choice, her weapon of choice, and she made money with it. The kingpin was involved in several schemes beyond the rebate schemes. I wanted to, you know, to put, to go back and look at all the schemes in whole. The rebate scheme, I thought, you know, kind of rounded out everything. If you just hear the rebate scheme, you're like, ah, okay. But when you hear about all the other craziness, eh, the whole story kind of takes the picture. I noticed that child labor laws kind of sucked back in the 80s and the 90s. You know, kingpins could do whatever they wanted with their child labor force. Indeed. Poor Mervins. Poor Mervins was single-handedly reduced to rubble by this criminal. R.I.P. Mervins. And sometimes the criminals do get away. And I just wanted to pick one case where we didn't have sentence after sentence. You have to know that the kingpin is out there. Do protect yourselves and stay safe. With that, how to reach us. So our website is ecrimebytes, E-C-R-I-M-E-B-Y as in yellow, T-E-S dot com. Look across the top of the website. Uh, if you're on a desktop, the, there's a bunch of tool bars and so, so forth up there. I got all our social media, our YouTube links, and so forth. Um, if you're on a phone, it may be a drop down depending on how your phone looks. So one of those two will pull up that giant menu for you. But that's what I want you to see because uh, we've been posting a lot of different places. Uh, feel free to communicate with us uh, either like on the YouTube comments or um, over Twitter, Mastodon, whatever you like to talk on. Do please subscribe to the podcast. Our other, if you go back and rewind episodes one through eight, they're lighthearted, but they're much more serious cases about uh, theft, cryptocurrency and so forth. If you jumped in on this one, hopefully uh, you enjoyed the humor, but in the other cases, we spend a lot more time on the actual computer crime topics itself did you have anything you wanted to add seth did you enjoy this i did uh 
your mother sounds like quite the character. <laughs> and it's possible that you <laughs> might need some therapy after that. That is some crazy shit. Um, yeah, I have to process all of that because uh, that that is that's a tough way to gum up, man. Now it's I can't confirm it's my mother, but let's let's just say it was for a let's just let's just play play for a moment and just say it was. If I were telling you know like my in laws all this 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 story, I had them all captivated, and and then I heard somebody say, you know what, you gotta t you gotta spread this story far and wide, and I figured. Eat Crime Bites was the right episode. Eat Crime Bites was the right audience for this. So, and it is Eat Crime Bites with a Y, it. as in yellow, like the unfrozen milk. Oh yes, yes, we are using that from now on. Yes, and I gotta say, you know, I spent all this time looking for sound effects and stuff, and when I found this one for the Kingpin. <laughs> I've been laughing all week. Anytime I wanted to pick me up, I'll just go to the soundboard and I'll like play a sound and start cracking up. So with that, we hope uh, you'll come back and join us on episode nine. And we look forward to seeing you then. Thanks. Thanks Bye. all. Star. Light it, light it, light it. Light it, light it, light it. Fucking light it. Oh, pick it up.